It's October 2nd, 2023. Time for episode 235 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Let's get to the NFL. We'll start there for the Monday edition of the show. So we're going to be packed full of surprises today. Um, got a busy Friday, so we'll kind of set you up for how interesting the show is going to be today. I'm um, going to do some things a little differently and going to Throw a little fun stuff at you at the end of the show. Let's look at the winners from Sunday in the NFL. Eagles, Jaguars win the London game. Bills, the Broncos over the Bears. They win the Despair Bowl. The Broncos are 1-3. The Bears are now 0-4. Ravens, Texans. The Texans bombed on Pittsburgh 30-6. Head coach Mike Tomlin, not very happy. I mean, again, nothing to be happy about after losing by 24. So he basically said in so many words, things will be reviewed and changed and I know Pittsburgh fans are highly disappointed. And I think I did see the fire Matt Canada hashtag start. So, oh boy. Uh, yeah, Matt Canada, that guy, he really uh, just doesn't have a good trail, a wake of uh, things, experience behind him, unfortunately. And the other despair bowl, the Vikings over Carolina. The Vikings are now 1-3. Carolina is now 0-4. The Rams uh, over uh, the Colts in overtime. The Buccaneers, the Titans, the Chargers, the Cowboys, good gracious, the Cowboys, 38 to 3 over New England. And I think I saw a tweet where somebody said, oh, yeah, New England's got this. Mac Jones is going to throw for some obscene number of touchdowns. And I go, "Okay, pump your brakes. You are losing your mind. (laughs) Mac Jones is not going to do any of that. And as you can see, he did none of that. So, yeah, whoever said that, please delete that tweet because that one's going to come back to haunt you. The 49ers, Christian McCaffrey goes for four touchdowns and the Chiefs. Monday Night Football, Seahawks at Giants, 815, ABC, ESPN, and the Manning Brothers on one of those other ESPN channels doing Manning Brother things. Major League Baseball, the wild card. So the regular season ended yesterday. The wild card starts tomorrow. So wild card round will be best of three. Let's start with the schedule. So basically, I like what they're doing here. The game will be at the highest seed. Um, they will be playing through Thursday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so you got three straight days of baseball. Um, Thursday will be if they need to go to a third game, but all the times will be the same. 3 p.m. The American League kicks off the action. The Rangers at the Rays. That will be on ABC. 430 on ESPN. The Blue Jays at the Twins. So looking at the American Leagues, I'll kind of give you my thoughts on the American League. So I would love to see the Rays and the Blue Jays advance. So the Rays would take on Houston. The Blue Jays would take on the Orioles. Um, also, wait a second. Yeah. Um, no, I, no, I, okay. Let me, let me reverse that. I would love to see Blue Jays Rangers. Actually, I think it might be Blue Jays and Rays, but I would personally would want to see the Blue Jays and the Rangers, the Rangers and Astros. That would be a fun Texas battle and the Blue Jays and the Orioles getting together. But you know, the, uh, the the Twins, they hit home runs and strike people out. Now, again, is that going to hold up through the postseason? You hope. Um, the Orioles, they're the top seed in the AL. They're waiting to start the, the divisional series. Um, you know, you've got a lot of offense. It makes up for a little bit of sloppiness on the defense. They're a young team. They're fun to watch. The pitching, you know, they're, they're, they're lacking a little bit in the uh, – the, the closer position, was it uh, Batista? He's out. Um, so again, the, it, again, it's always a crapshoot. Baseball playoffs are always, a, I mean, not always. Since they come up with this new format, which I don't really know what people feel about it, but frankly, I'm kind of like, eh, just go back to the way it was. I mean, I know it's the whole, because we've expanded and we changed the visions, more teams have to be represented, blah, 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 whatever. But the old way was better because, again, like I said, you can pretty much rely on certain things to happen in baseball. Good hitting, good pitching. You go on here. Somebody gets hot and we've seen it. Somebody gets hot. Guess what? They're going to win this thing. So, again, it's all a crapshoot. But like I said, I would like to see the Blue Jays and the Rangers advance. So second half of the slate through through Thursday, Thursday, if necessary, the National League, they kick off at 7 p.m. ESPN 2 Diamondbacks visit Milwaukee. 8 p.m. ESPN, the Marlins go to Citizen Bank to take on the Phillies. So this one, uh, I'm kind of torn. I think I got the Diamondbacks either way. 
on the other side of this, I either got Diamondbacks, Marlins, or Diamondbacks, Phillies. Like that Marlins, Phillies, that that Marlins, Phillies series. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's a coin flip for me. It's either way. Both. T- I mean, the Phillies just they just hit the ball. They's not to the cover off the ball. The Marlins they got a nice little balance of hitting and pitching. Again, I think maybe I would give the edge to the Phils, but again, I think the Diamondbacks. I think could advance over Milwaukee. So we'll see how it all goes down. So after this, so we said the divisional series will go potentially to Thursday if a game three is needed. The, I'm sorry, the wild card rather. The divisionals will start Saturday. That will be a best of five that will start at the home of the higher seed. And we'll review all that uh, next week because as I said, Friday, I won't be here. So we'll get through all that and maybe maybe I get a Wednesday show. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, also from the world of baseball, we say rest in peace to Tim Wakefield, who passed away uh, on Sunday at the age of 57. Knuckleballer extraordinaire. So he was a 200-game winner in the major leagues, and he uh, was 45 years old when he won his 200th game. He had 186 of those wins with the Boston Red Sox, so that puts him second in franchise history behind Cy Young and Roger Clemens. He was an eight-time nominee of the Roberto Clemente Award, and he won it in 2010. So that award recognizes sportsmanship and community involvement. So uh, Tim Wakefield was involved in in the Pittsburgh community heavily. He was drafted originally by Pittsburgh. Um, Then he was traded, uh, let go, and he's picked up by Boston. Did a lot of great work in the community, and he was uh, just mourned deeply by his his former teammates. Um, you know, Kevin Euclid, Joey Cora, you know, just just everyone just had so many great things to say. Just such a great teammate, a great person. Uh, Big Poppy was just he said on his Instagram, he posted a picture of him kind of giving him a big old bear hug and said, you know, my heart's broken right now. And, you know, you can feel that. But I mean, Wakefield was just he meant so much to a lot of people and the fans loved him. And I believe he was uh he wasn't a pitcher initially I think he was a first baseman initially he was drafted in the third round out of college but one of the things about Wakefield one of the things you remember so between you know Red Sox and Yankees fans so he gave up the walk-off home run to Aaron Boone in the 11th inning of the 03 ALCS but then at 04 he got his redemption he got nine outs against the Yankees they started a comeback from three down 3-0 in the in the ALCS then went to the World Series, swept the Cardinals to win the World Series. And then three years later, the Red Sox would win it again. So he's a two-time World Series champ. He was an all-star in 2009, and he was the second oldest player to garner a first-time all-star selection. Two years later, Wakefield retired. So he played for the Red Sox for 17 years. So think about that tenure. He is third has the third longest tenure of any Red Sox behind I'm sorry fourth longest um Carly Strimsky Ted Williams Dwight Evans and he led the Red Red Sox in starts and innings pitched so 430 starts a little over 3,000 innings pitched and he led the team in home runs allowed hits allowed walks wild pitches batters hit by a pitch Earn runs, losses, and hits allowed. He was inducted into the Red Sox Hall of Fame in 2016. We say our condolences to Tim Wakefield and his family, the Red Sox, the Pittsburgh family, and of course, the Major League Baseball family. News and notes from Major League Baseball. The Mets, they fired Buck Showalter. So prior to the game, Buck Showalter basically said, yeah, you know, I'm not, I won't be back out there this game. I think he played the Phillies yesterday. Then the Mets announced, yeah, we let him go. He said he still wants to manage again. He still, he said, you know, I'm, I feel great. I'm physically fit. I want to lead another team. So there definitely be some teams uh, looking for a manager. So for the Mets, this is the fifth time in six years they're going to be looking for a manager. So they kind of made some changes in their management structure. So their new GM will be looking for the next manager. Um, remember, they had one of the highest payrolls in baseball. They brought on Justin Verlander. They brought in Max Scherzer. Both of those guys are long gone now. And this year they went 74 and 87. Last year they went 101 and 61. 
Showalter won NL Manager of the Year, and they lost to San Diego in the wild card. So 175 and 148 in two years is not terrible, but it's not great either. Um, so one name that has come up is Milwaukee's Craig Council. Couple things with Council. Council has kind of been very look. I'm focused on playoffs. He's not talking about who's interested in his services. He's like, look, he's got a team in the playoffs. He's trying to do that. He's in the last year of his contract. And also, there's one other piece here that because he's in his last year of his contract, there's speculation that he's probably going to step away from baseball. He has two sons in college. They're both playing baseball. So a lot of folks are thinking he might step away to, you know, spend a little more time with his kids, maybe go watch them play baseball, work with them, what have you. So we don't really know what's going to happen. But that's kind of the hot name right now, at least for the Mets and potentially for some other jobs, because now uh, a few days ago, San Francisco let Gabe Kapler go. So and, and Kapler, he'll 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 manage again. I think what he was, what was he with the Phillies before it was a hot mess. Then he goes to San Francisco and, you know, they've been decent. But this season, I believe they I think they finished 500 this year. They had a good start and then Eric, the bottom just fell out. So um, initially management was going to keep him. But then the GM wanted to make a decision. He spoke with team ownership. They said they gave him the green light. So they let Gabe Kapler go. So San Francisco is looking for a manager. And now the Mets will be looking for a manager as well. And also. Uh, Cleveland. So Terry Francona retired. So congratulations to him. A long uh, career for him as a player, as a manager, one of the most, you know, a, a very beloved player, very beloved manager. So, um, you know, I, it's going to be fun to see what he's going to be doing um, moving forward. So a lot of people have been talking, well, maybe he should be a GM now. I mean, who knows? He probably wants to possibly uh, have a life outside of maybe just regular day baseball. Maybe he would be a commentator who knows but um a lot of changes happening so once you know the playoffs in we get in the hot stove and everyone's going to be talking about you know we're going to look up and spring training is going to be <laughs> looking at us again so but lots to get lots that's happening and we'll probably see some more stories kind of pop up um after uh the playoffs end because i think the playoffs are definitely now going to take uh front and center uh in the nl mlb world right now Let's move over to the NBA. So as expected, Drew Holiday was traded to Boston from Portland. So Portland, here's what they get. They get Robert Williams III and Malcolm Brogdon. So Brogdon, the expectation is possibly he could be traded. So with his salary about, I want to say it's about 23, 22 and a half million, it's manageable. So a lot of teams, that's kind of the attractive, I mean, outside of his game, the attractive pieces that his salary is manageable from a cap standpoint. So a lot of teams might be interested in his services. We'll kind of keep our eye on it. Or if he doesn't move, he'll be starting in Portland uh, this season. In addition, Portland gets from Golden State a 2024 first round pick and they get a 2029 pick. I believe that pick is from Boston as well. They will swap picks with Milwaukee in 2028 and 2030. So I think, you know, for Boston, this really enhances their, you know, their lineup, boosts their lineup a little bit. So um, they were doing grades on ESPN talking about, excuse me, the um, the the trades. I think they gave Boston a B for this one. But, you know, I think it really enhances what Boston's trying to do, because, again, Drew Holiday's very good defensive player. And I think it really bolsters them. And then I think it gives the uh, Joe Mazzula, I think it gives a little bit more versatility in the kinds of lineups that he can throw out there every night. So, again, this is a good pickup for Boston uh, moving into this new season. This training camp is, again, right around the corner. And I think I read something LeBron is saying he is training or preparing for this new preseason like it's his first year as a rookie so i'm going uh oh <laughs> lebron ain't playing with y'all not to say he ever plays with y'all but he really ain't playing with y'all this season so we'll see how that goes we'll kind of start looking at some nba train uh training camp and nba stuff uh in the in the coming weeks let's move over to golf europe who boy europe smashes the usa and Ryder cup now the score 
16 and a half to 11 and a half. The score doesn't really reflect that, but Europe, they were super dominant on Friday. The U.S. came back a little bit on Saturday, but by then Europe had all the momentum. They won you know, more points, obviously, than the U.S. on Saturday. And there was, you know, th- th- there's always a moment in the Ryder Cup where the tempers flare up. And Joe LaCava, I uh, forget he's a, forget who's a caddy he is, is Justin Thomas, had a moment with Rory McIlroy on the green about you standing in his line and then they got at each other leaving the course and supposedly they met later and made peace. I, Rory's denying it. I don't freaking I don't care. Um, so what that means is the U.S. hasn't won the Ryder Cup in Europe since 93. I mean, they haven't won period in Europe since 93. So it was about 30 years of futility continues. And so the Ryder Cup will be back on U.S. soil next year at uh, Bethpage, Bethpage Black, the black course. So I don't know. I mean, Europe was a heavy favorite in this one. And to be deadly honest with you, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they do this thing by points. And it's usually, you know, who are the better players? They accumulate points by winning events and majors and all that stuff. And then, of course, they're your captain's pick. So really, if you think about how this is done, the points usually give you the better players. That's fine. This may have gone bad with the captain's picks. And that's kind of usually where you can make or break the team. So they got to go back to square one. You know, the U.S. women were doing really well and lost the Solheim Cup over the weekend two weeks ago. Ryder Cup, it wasn't even close. So we go back to the drawing board and we'll see you guys at Beth Page Black next year. And hopefully the U.S. can try to win the cup back on home soil. When we come back, we'll get into WNBA. We'll recap NASCAR and we'll get into college football. So this isn't going to be any normal Monday college football talk. We're going to do the Friday picks today. You're getting the Friday picks on the Monday show. Lucky you. We'll do some news and notes. And then I got a little fun thing I'm going to do at the end of the show. Um, it kind of involves Sports Center, and I'll explain it after the break. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's get over to the WNBA. So the semifinal. So we had one semifinal that was still in progress. Las Vegas has already advanced. So yesterday, the New York Liberty over the Connecticut Sun, 87-84. Breonna Stewart goes for 27. Jonquil Jones chips in 25 points and 15 rebounds. Alyssa Thomas had a double-double for Connecticut, 17 points, 15 rebounds. With that win, New York advances to the final. So we get the final that we all thought was going to happen. Vegas is the top seed. New York is the second seed. 
Game one, Sunday, 3 p.m. ABC. So with the semifinal, I really thought it was going to go five. And towards the end, it it was a back and forth game. It got really close at the end. Uh, New York pulled away. And kind of thinking about this championship series. So I'm going to make a prediction here. So again, I'm going to say that these two teams aren't going to give an inch. And I think this goes five games. And I think the difference here, there are going to be X factors in this game. We've talked about, you know, how much Benajah Laney has become such a force for this team. We know what Jonquil Jones can do. So I think Jonquil Jones, between her and Benajah Laney, I think they are probably going to be the players that can kind of swing the uh, the series towards in, in, their, in their favor. Um, you know, both can do a lot, but John Quill Jones, I think, really can really make a big difference in the series. Vegas, on the other hand, they lead. They're better in uh, points against. They have a slightly higher field goal percentage and they score more points per game. Um, I think the bench is going to make a difference here. So with that said, I'm going to take the Liberty in five. Now, it kind of hurts me because I, I love the Vegas team, not just, you know, what they do, but I think I love their chemistry, what they do off the court. You know, they post their videos on IG and it's really fun to watch. But I don't know. I, I kind of feel like this is going to go five games. and I think I got uh, I'm going to take New York uh, winning this series three games to two. So let's think about this. The last time the Liberty we're in the finals. We're talking 2002 where they lost to the Sparks. Becky Hammond was on that team. And um, also uh, Sandy Brundello, she's a former WNBA player. So this will be the first time in WNBA history that two former players will meet as coaches in the finals. Brondello also coached uh, Becky Hammond in San Antonio. And technically, this is a matchup between two original franchises. New York has always been New York. As we know, Vegas started his life out as Utah, then they moved to San Antonio and then to Las Vegas. So this has got a lot of you know subtext to it, um, some history being made. But I think at the end of the day, you know, here we have the quote super teams, and both teams have kind of shied away from that, oh, we're a super team thing. And I understand. I mean, you don't want it to be the story, although we kind of have made the story and quiet is kept. They kind of are super teams. They were literally the two best teams in the league. They met for the Commissioner's Cup. Um, That game didn't count in the standings. New York won that. So New York is trying to do what Vegas did last year, win the Commissioner's Cup and the championship. But I think New York has a really good chance to do that. And uh, I got them uh, winning the final over to NASCAR. Um, Ryan Blaney wins the Yellowwood 500 at Talladega. So this is his third win at the track. So with that win, as we say, he automatically advances to the round of eight. He beat Kevin Harvick to the line and Harvick finished second. But after an inspection, Kevin Harvick was disqualified. So thus William Byron finished second. Denny Hamlin finished third. So That was big for Hamlin because he got a speeding penalty on pit row halfway through the race. So he had to do a pass through, go back around at speed. He was literally at the back of the pack. So to come from the back of the pack and finish third, especially being a playoff driver, that's huge. Uh, Fourth was Corey LaJoy and fifth was Austin Sendrick. So the playoff standings, Byron and Blaney, William Byron and Ryan Blaney are winning two. They both advanced in round of eight. Denny Hamlin is third. So Hamlin's hot. So I think if he can hold third position, he's definitely uh, in into the round of eight. Christopher Bell, fourth. Chris Buescher, fifth. Martin Truex Jr. is sixth. And I kind of feel like he's kind of on the cusp. He could make it, but I think he's kind of in danger. Um, also, Brad Keselowski at eight and Kyle Larson at seven. With Larson, he's pretty steady. I think if he holds, he finishes high, um, he's going to be okay. But though, but even though I, I I picked on Truex Jr. and Keselowski, I think those three, Larson, Truex Jr., Keselowski, they got to go out next week and have a really big race, stay in the race, no issues. Technical issues are going to mess them up because below the cut line, you've got 23-11. Tyler Reddick is two under and Bubba Wallace is nine under. So both of those guys, I mean, Tyler Reddick, I think, could probably slide in if he has a good day. Bubba Wallace, again... I think he's really going to be having some nightmares still about uh, last weekend 
um, kind of just that, that restart. That's going to haunt him because that minus nine, I, I don't know. I want him to get out of the round of 12 and advance, but I'm feeling very I'm feeling very skeptical about that. But we'll see how it all goes. Uh, below them, Ross Chastain at 10 below the cut line and Kyle Busch at 26 points below the cut line. Sunday, they'll head to Charlotte to the road course, the Bank of America Roval, Roval 400. So road oval, you get it. Um, they'll go 109 laps. The green flag will drop around 2 p.m. on NBC. Let's move over to college football. Let's look at the AP top 10 for week number six. So a lot of interesting things have happened here, and we'll kind of talk through it in our weekly recap here. The top six all stay intact. Georgia, number one, 35 first place votes. Michigan, two, 12 first place votes. Texas, three, 10 first place votes. Ohio State, four, one first place vote. Florida State, five with four first place votes. Penn State, six, Washington, seven. Eight through 10 have all changed. Oregon moves up a spot to eight, USC down a spot to nine, and Notre Dame up a spot to 10. Your biggest movers this week, going up the poll, four spots, Oregon State to 15 and Ole Miss to 16. Your biggest drop this week is LSU. They moved, they dropped 10 spots to number 23. Into the poll this week, Kentucky at 20 and Louisville at 25. Out, Florida and Kansas. And your top vote getter this week, number 26, is Maryland. Maryland is 5-0 for the first time since 2001. So congratulations to Coach Mike Loxley and his gang in College Park. I mean, again, they've got a big test this weekend. We'll talk about that in just a moment. <clears throat> so my picks last week, <laughs> boy, I went 5-6. and six. Yeah, hey, it is. It, it, look, listen to this. I told you Friday night I was going to go two and one. I don't know what it was. I looked at the games. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to screw one up. So I went two and one on Friday night. Fine. Noon slate, I went two and one. I said, okay, I'm looking good. I'm four and two after about what, six, uh, four, five, six, six games. I'm, I'm four and two. All right, perfect. 3.30, I called one game. I was one and no. I said, yes, I got to get through the evening. I went 0 oh and four after, after six o'clock, after 3.30. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna talk about a couple of those games because, yeah, man, I, yeah, somebody should have stepped up. And we're gonna start with Duke. Duke gets the damn it award this week. Damn it, Duke. So, a couple things with Duke. Number one, was it third and ten? Like third and ten, something like that. And what happens? Contain breaks down, and what does Sam Hartman do? Takes off. No linebackers, nobody's there. He gets the first down. I'm going, oh, my gosh. So pushed him into field goal range. And then, of course, two plays later, Estimate catches the pass, goes to, goes, goes to the end zone, scores a touchdown. And everyone in Wallace Wade was like, all right, I'm going to head out. <laughs> it, was, it was a tough deal. I think Duke got the ball back, but it just it just wasn't. It just didn't didn't pan out. I think they yeah, I think they turned the ball over. So at that point. So if you didn't leave after the touchdown, you definitely left after the turnover. So Duke, uh, you had him on the ropes. But here's the silver lining and all that. That only counts outwardly. As we now know, Notre Dame is no longer a part time member of the ACC, which always had a problem with that. But now that they've gone back to do independent things. Cool. Keep doing that. Everybody else who plays Notre Dame sports, uh, they're part of the ACC, whatever, whatever. Anyway, um, so that's the good thing. So secondly, they're still in contention for the ACC title. We'll talk about the standings in a moment. Um, but here's the bad part. Riley Leonard was injured in that game. Now, the ruling here or the diagnosis, he has a high ankle sprain. It's not as bad as it sounds. He's only out for a few weeks. So the thought was he was going to miss the rest of the season. He's out for a few weeks. And I mean, if you want to put it this way, which kind of sucks, the timing couldn't have been better. I mean, that sounds terrible. But Duke's on a bye week this week. So it gives them an extra week, you know, to kind of, you know, start recruit, start the recuperation process. So I'm um, sure Duke is going to, you know, kind of work this week, start putting in a plan for the backup and trying to get, you know, re recover from this. I mean, I think there's a lot to learn from this win, a lot to learn from um, loss, rather, a lot to learn from this loss. Because they did so much right. Like Duke looks like a team that, you know, Mike Elko, what he's done in one season, it's translating into season two and it's just going to get better. So Duke, 
I think under Mike Elko is definitely going to be a force to reckon with for some time. And, you know, Leonard, you know, he he was a I, I learned this uh, watching game day on Saturday. That kid was like a freak playing playing basketball, played basketball. He played uh, football and I think he played another sport. But I mean, kids just mad athletic. Uh, seems like a super positive kid, really nice kid. You know, him and his mom have that little you suck thing going, which is hilarious uh, and very motivational, kind of keeps him grounded. But um, yeah, there's a lot to learn from this. But I think Duke is definitely going to come out of this better. Um, I mean, they had a time with Clemson, but they won. And I, and I figured they would give Notre Dame a game. And I said, I, I picked them. I felt confident and they were winning. It's just you got to be able to finish the deal. And just little things kind of made this you know, turn this into, you know, what it what it is. So, you know, hey, shout out to Duke and we'll see how it's going to go the rest of the way uh, this season. USC. Oh, my goodness. They were three touchdown favorites over Colorado and ended up winning by seven. So let's just say this USC. We're going to go over this in a second. But USC when the Pac-12 not going to happen. That defense is trash. It's just like you had these guys on the ropes. And I mean, the defense was questionable coming into the game. But really, I mean, not not to say Colorado's no slouch. Let's let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it 100. Colorado is no slouch. But come on, you had these guys dead to rights. And then they mount this great comeback. Um, Colorado did a good job defending Caleb Williams. He threw his first interception of the season. So he has 21 touchdowns to one interception. I really think he's still obviously in the Heisman conversation as the current Heisman holder. But I think the front runner currently is Washington's Michael Penix Jr. So with that, no Pac-12 for no Pac-12 title for USC. They're definitely not going to get in the CFP. I, I can't see that happening um, unless that defense tightens up. But again, uh, I mean, who are we fooling? Is that really going to get any better? Probably not. Um, Utah, Utah lost, I think on Friday night to Oregon state. So Oregon state did what they do. Good defense. Again, I said that defense is underrated. The offense was clicking, no cam rising for Utah. So Oregon state gets one in. Cause I think Oregon state, they also Washington state last week. And I was pretty certain Oregon state had enough in the tank to be Washington state. So, you know, Hey, it's, it is what it is. This, this is why we play the game. So looking at the Pac-12, here's kind of how I see it breaking out right now. Right now, your top two teams for me, Washington, Oregon. After that, I throw Oregon State in there. I think they've got a pretty good shot to win this thing. Um, I would throw in Utah, although unless Cam Rising comes back, I think their shot of the three P is a little iffy. Um, And then I put Washington State as the dark horse. Because uh, there was a Cam Ward, um, really good quarterback. I don't think he's getting enough love nationally. So that's kind of I see it shaking out. But I think Washington, until otherwise noted, I think Washington is definitely the team to beat right now in the Pac-12. Um, oh, Louisville. Louisville grind, grounded out against NC State. So Louisville is now 3-0 in the conference. They're in first place. NC State's 1-1 one one in the conference. So NC State's still in the mix. Um, yeah, it was a 13, 10. Yeah, it was, uh, I think state jumped out pretty quick on them. And then, you know, it was pretty much a defensive, uh, pre defensive battle between those two teams. Um, now remember the ACC, they got rid of divisions, boo, but it's, it's top two to the championship game. So right now, again, you know, if it were to end the day, which would be ridiculous, it'd be Florida state and North Carolina, but I'm sorry, Louisville and Florida state, which, Again, that's saying nothing because Louisville right now is the only team that I think has played, well, to my knowledge, that is undefeated and has played three conference games. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. Florida State's second at 2-0. UNC and Duke are tied at third at 1-0. I'm sorry, they're three-way tie, rather. UNC, Duke, and Virginia Tech are all 1-0. Tech beat Pitt, and they beat them pretty convincingly. So that's really a little shocking because Narduzzi's defense is usually the thing at Pitt. And so in, in Tech, they've been having some quarterback issues. So um, ha, has Tech kind of figured it out? That That's kind of the other, the, the, the big question. Has Tech figured it out? That's kind of the thing I, I, I'm kind of 
seeing uh trying to trying to figure out but duke as i said duke is in there duke is uh i i really believe duke has a really good shot now again they had a tough schedule and they have a tough schedule this year so it's a matter how they manage the schedule so again notre dame is definitely a good test for them they you know they didn't win it but they know what they need to do moving forward in the grind that it is that is the acc and of course they beat clemson so they kind of got clemson kind of you know kind of sort of out of the picture for now but as we move through the next few weeks who knows how this thing's going to pan out because as we know teams will win that we don't expect to win and teams will lose we don't expect to lose it's sports really (laughs) um georgia georgia struggled on the road versus auburn brock bauer saves the day touchdown catch and georgia leaves uh the plains with a victory listen to this this game was tied at 10 at the half it was tied at 17 at the end of the third quarter georgia needed a touchdown and a field goal and held auburn to a field goal in order to win this game so as i mentioned georgia so they hold on to the number one spot but they lost first place vote so look at this last week in week five They had 55 first place votes this week. They're down to 35. So they lost 20 first place votes this week. Michigan gained 11. Texas gained eight. Ohio State held at one. Florida State gained the first place vote. And Washington lost the first place vote. So those votes. So a little bit of confidence being lost in Georgia. Again, they didn't lose the position. But Again, with that loss, with that win, rather, Auburn kind of shook them up a little bit. So now what do the trying to be three time champs do? Again, you learn as much from a win as you learn from a loss. So they got to go back and look at this, see what Auburn did that nor the team has done to really take them to the brink. And, you know, the heroics saved the day. But you can't really depend upon heroics for every game. I mean, that's too much like a Disney movie, you know, but Georgia, um, I don't know who they got this week, but uh, do I have them pick? I don't think I have them. Oh, no, I do have them. Um, yes, I do. I think I'm looking at my list here. Because where I have them somewhere. Um, I do have them. So we'll pick their game in just a moment. But yeah, they've got another really tough game. They're going to be at home under the lights at Sanford Stadium. So again, they got to do a quick turnaround and, you know, kind of make heads or tails some sense of what Auburn uh, did to them this past weekend. West Virginia is four and one applause because uh, we talked about Neil Brown. So Neil Brown is uh, on hot seat at West Virginia. So far, so good. I mean, in a year where they possibly might let him go and then have to figure out how to bring in a new coach and who's going to be the new coach. Um, West Virginia is doing some good stuff in the, in the newly, revised big 12 so again can they keep it going we shall see all right let's get to the picks so week six picks so you're so you're getting the week six picks usually be doing on friday doing them today because i'm gonna be on the golf course on friday won't have an opportunity to do this so let's go ahead and get to it we'll start with saturday the friday games look not so great so we'll go Saturday. So noon on ABC from the Cotton Bowl at the Texas State Fair, the 119th Red River Shootout, number 12 Oklahoma versus number three Texas. Texas are six point favorites. I'm going to take Texas here. Um, six points, probably a little bit more than six. I mean, now, again, Oklahoma's better, but expect, you know, what do we say? A rivalry game. So I think this will be a little bit more than six, but I'll take uh, Texas over Oklahoma. The 107th meeting of the Ocean State between Rhode Island and Brown for the Governor's Cup. That game will be noon on ESPN Plus as a coin flip. I believe I'm going to take Rhode Island here over their in-state rival Brown. Noon on Fox. Maryland at number five, Ohio State. Ohio State's at 18 and a half points as their favorite. I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit closer, but I'm going to take the Buckeyes over Maryland. Noon, ESPN, number 23, LSU at six and a half points as the favorite. Goes to Columbia to take on number 21, uh, Missouri. I'll take LSU over Missouri. Noon on Peacock, Rutgers goes to Camp Randall to take on Wisconsin. Wisconsin are 14-point favorites. I'm going to take Rutgers close in this one. Um, Am I believing in Rutgers? A little bit. I think they're, you know, they're, they've gotten 
somewhat better. I don't, it, would, would incrementally be the good word to use here? I don't know, but I'm buying Rutgers. I'll take them over Wisconsin, but it's going to be close. I think it's closer than I say a touchdown or less. 2 p.m. on the CW. Okay. The ACC, let, let, let's, let's review this for a second. The ACC has a whole network, but yet we're going to play games on CW. Now, unless this is kind of their way of doing local coverage because what it used to be Jefferson Pilot and then it was whatever the heck they call it now. So maybe they dissolve that. And now the CW is their way of showing local games. Well, I'm going to CW, really ACC. This is where we are today. I, I don't understand it, but whatever. Um, Marshall visits Raleigh to take on NC State, who are six-point favorites. I'm going to take Marshall over NC State. I mean, NC State, I mean, my whole thing is offensively, you know, with, with Robert and I running that offense, I mean, they're okay. They're not great. I mean, the system is unconventional, um, but I, I don't know. And, and he doesn't like to run. He, he, he it's, it's air raid. It's straight air raid. He hates to run. He wants to pass. And I think that kind of gives Marshall a little bit to work with defensively. So, I mean, they're going to – NC State's going to put some wrinkles in there. But I think Marshall – I think – I'm going to take Marshall in this one. I think Marshall can find a way to beat NC State. 3 p.m. on Pac-12 Network. Number 13 Washington State heads to Westwood to take on UCLA. UCLA are three – or what's that? Three-and-a-half-point favorites because uh, – one of these games, I thought the line was hella disrespectful. I can't remember which game it was. Um, anyway, let's take, uh, I'm going to take Washington State over UCLA uh, on Saturday. Um, 3.30 CBS from College Station. Texas A&M welcomes in Alabama, number 11 ranked, who are two and a half point favorites. Didn't pick it, picked it now. I'm going to take Alabama over Texas A&M. 3.30 ESPN, haven't picked this game either. I wrote all this down and I picked some of these games, but I think the next after this one, I think the next few games I didn't pick. So I'm going to be picking on the spot here. So outside of the fact I'm picking on a Monday, I'm actually picking games on the spot. Again, this is going to be ugly. This is going to get ugly before it gets really nice. I promise you. So uh, I said 16 games. <laughs> I'm going 7-9 this week. I promise you. Um, Syracuse visits Chapel Hill to take on 14th ranked UNC. UNC are nine-point favorites. Here's my problem. Syracuse. They got blown out at home by Clemson. They've been playing good. I think they switched over to a 3-3-5 defense, if I recall correctly. Um, UNC's got Drake May. They've had the week off. Yeah, I'm going with Carolina over Syracuse. I think it'll be more than nine points. 3-30 on Peacock. Purdue goes to Iowa City to take on Iowa. Iowa, two and a half point favorites. I'm going to take Purdue over Iowa. I think Purdue is going to figure out figure it out offensively. I think Purdue might have the defense to stop Iowa because Iowa just got blanked last week at Penn State. And I think their offensive coordinator thinks Brian Ferentz. I think he's kind of taking a little heat here because the offense has kind of been up and down considering last year they had zero offense. I think they had a 6-3 game last year, which everyone looked at them going, what the hell is going on at Iowa? <laughs> um, 3.30, ACC Network. Wake Forest goes to Clemson. Clemson are 21-point favorites. I think I'm going to take Clemson. Uh, if this were a Wake team with Sam Hartman, I probably still would take Clemson, but I think it would be a little bit closer than 21. 4 p.m. on Fox. Central Florida heads to Lawrence to take on Kansas. Kansas are three-point favorites. I'll take Kansas over Central Florida. I'm actually literally picking these as I'm going down the list now. Oh, here's the big one. 7 p.m. ESPN. Number 20, Kentucky heads to Sanford Stadium between the hedges to take on top-ranked Georgia. Georgia are 14.5-point favorites. Kentucky has really been playing good football. Uh, Mark Stoops, I mean, just a solid coach, really doing some great things in Kentucky. Considering what Auburn did to slow Georgia up and make it a game, I'm not saying Kentucky is going to win. I think it's Georgia, but I think it's going to be a close battle for Georgia. 7.30 ABC, I'm sorry, 7.30 NBC, number two, Michigan, heads to the Twin Cities to take on Minnesota. Minnesota are, I'm sorry, Michigan's 20 half point favorites. Mm, let's go Michigan. Let's just take the safe bet and go Michigan. Again, I ain't, I'm not against rowing the boat, but mm, <laughs> I don't think they got enough to row the boat against the Wolverines. That's just my thought here. Um, 7.30 ABC, Notre Dame's back in primetime again. 
They go to Louisville. So Louisville just entered the poll at 25. Notre Dame are six and a half point favorites. Oh, boy. I'm going to take Notre Dame, but I'm going to take them close. I'm going to take Notre Dame close. Okay, so Louisville has really shown up and shown out. This really isn't going to hurt them from an ACC standpoint. It's just going to hurt them from a regular record standpoint. But I, I think Notre Dame, again, they'll find a way to win. Now, if Louisville, you know, does the things that they're supposed to do and not allow Notre Dame small opportunities to win the game. Because here's the other thing with Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a slew of penalties in that Duke game. I mean, that was at the right tackle kept going up, kept going, uh, kept going in motion. It was just insane. So they had a lot of tackles. So there's a lot of stuff Notre Dame needs to clean up. They'll clean it up, but I think they'll beat Louisville, but it won't be by a whole lot. Pac-12 after dark. First time I said that this season, 10 p.m. on Pac-12 Network. Number 15, Oregon State at 10 points as your favorite. Head to Berkeley to take on Cal. I'll take Oregon State over Cal. Which game did I think this, the, the line was super disrespectful? I feel like it may have been, I think it was the Ohio State game. 19 points against Maryland. Yeah, it was. 19-point favorites. I mean, again, it's Ohio State, but Maryland is actually better. Now, the thing I've been saying for years, Maryland moving to the Big Ten. Y'all really think you're going to win a Big Ten title in football? Now, then I said at that time, I said, well, y'all could probably win a Big Ten championship in basketball. Now I'm going, eh, that's a little skittish, too. But to be fair, Maryland, you know, the, the 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 stakes have been raised. They've been playing much better basketball. I think they went to the tournament last year and everybody was doubting Kevin Willard's ability to coach a Maryland team. I'm going, what are you what's wrong with y'all? Clearly. As basketball fans, you don't pay attention to other teams outside of yourselves. Kevin Willard's a good coach. I've said it before. I'll continue to say it. I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not a Maryland fan. But I argue tooth and nail on Twitter and on this platform that they were going to be better. They were better. Thank you very much. Please applaud. Please applause. Please clap. And please send me money. Okay. All right. Um. News and notes. So the only thing I got in news and notes for college football the, after the firing of Mel Tucker, um, Pete Thamel and ESPN threw out some names as potential replacements. I missed it because I was, you know, you try to listen to TV and everyone's screaming at you in your house. So I found an article that threw some names out. So in a couple of these names, he did say I did catch a couple names, but listen to this name of potential candidates to replace Mel Tucker. You got Jake Dickert at Washington State. I don't remember his background completely, but he's a West Coast guy. Bringing a West Coast guy to the Midwest seems weird to me. So I'm not feeling that. Mike Elko. Uh, the, you know, and I think he sort of acknowledged that his name did come up. And I, Elko ain't going nowhere. If Duke can at least get to the ACC championship game. They're going to sign him. They're going to extend him. And I think he's probably probably has the chance to win ACC coach of the year back to back. So Elko ain't going nowhere. Uh, you got Dan Enos, who's the OC at Arkansas. The way this is going, maybe Enos takes the jump. I don't know. I'm talking about Arkansas. Charles Huff, the head coach at Marshall. That's an excellent pick. Matt House, the defensive coordinator at LSU. Don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, Matt Mike Trussell, the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Okay. All right. And then Pat Narduzzi, if you remember, Narduzzi was at Michigan State uh, as the defensive coordinator. But I read an article going, Narduzzi wouldn't last here in East Lansing. Are you insane? He used to work in East Lansing unless I'm confusing him with somebody else. So I think Narduzzi makes sense. Um, Pitt's season is kind of meh, you know. Um, but again, there's your bailout potentially. But I, I don't know if he's thinking about it but um you know um, those are some names but again everybody has names i'm sure if i go to three other sources there's going to be at least 15 different names that are going to come up with but we won't know until what was this uh, october now by the by december january we'll probably have someone by december probably sometime in december they're going to have a candidate in place because they got to wait for most of these team seasons to end and hell it could, it might not be till February. Cause what if they're pursuing potentially a coordinator who's on a team in a bowl or playing in the college football playoff. So Michigan state's got a long time to really think this out 
and really put the pieces together and figure out who would be the best person to kind of get this program back on track. Because already they've got a number of players who are no longer on the roster. So team players are getting released or leaving, whatever. Um, there was a Sports Illustrated article that said that here are some potential transfer targets for Coach Prime. I'm going, really? Y'all plotting on this team already? I'm like, good God. That I didn't even read it. I don't even want to know. I When it happens, just surprise me. But that's just crazy. But you know it's going to happen. You know that there are a lot of kids out there who are basically looking at Colorado going, you know, I could probably do something special there. But keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that Colorado, I believe they're some they're they're I think they're on the quarter system. Most colleges are on the semester system. They're they're the way that they transfer credits is different. So, you know, it, it's the transfers that they get in. If they get in, it's all going to work out. But the ones they don't get or can't get is because there's there's going to be some weird conversion between the grades. And there's probably other things that will uh, preclude them from getting in. But to coach prime's comments after the oregon game it's like get me now this is the lowest we're going to be so you know after this season with the success that they're having i mean they're on a two-game losing streak that you know they're going to get more players in there that are going to make that team much better especially the offensive line my goodness that offensive line is just abysmal as anything all right so we'll end the show today with something fun so i um follow uh what's her name l duncan on instagram and she has a podcast go figure and i forget the gentleman she hosts the podcast uh, her co-host i forget his name so forgive me for that but they were having a conversation about sports center anchors and they said and she said let's have a sports center anchor draft so it can be either someone who's still there someone who used to work for the company or it could be someone who has passed on I said, all right, fine, fair enough. So they did their little thing and it got me to thinking. I said, okay, they did it as three rounds and I was going to do that at first. But then I said, I'm going to do five rounds. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you five names. and I'm going to actually give you six names. I'm going to give you five names and I'm going to give you kind of a cool honorable mention. Okay. And I kind of feel like as I'm looking at this list and, and you got to think that if you watch sports center over any period of time, there have been so many people who've hosted sports center and yeah, it's just mind blowing. I mean, there's folks that stick out in my mind that I remember that were memorable, but there are some names that are maybe not as memorable, but you know, they were they made an impact. And like I said, when I did my first list, I had I had six names, and then I took one off. Again, this particular person I took off, I still like that person. I mean, they're super awesome, great at what they do. Still in the game, not doing something else. But um, let me give you my draft. Uh, should I go? Hmm, I guess I'll go top to bottom. Whatever. Because it's a draft, okay? Can't go fifth round to first round. Stupid. All right. First round, Stuart Scott. Come on, guys. You got to be with me on this one. Who in the world, like if you had a draft and you're rest in peace, Stuart Scott, if you were doing a draft, you got to take Stuart Scott first. I remember that era. Many of you remember the Stuart Scott era. I mean, booyah and everything under the sun. Stuart Scott made SportsCenter a much, a, 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 an event. It's a, a, the late night SportsCenter, you had to watch it, especially if Stuart Scott was on and whoever he was paired with, you know it was going to be a great show. Um, My second pick be Dan Patrick. Now, Say what you want about Dan Patrick now. I'm not really a big Dan Patrick fan like I used to be because he's doing something, his own thing. He left the company under whatever circumstances. And, you know, he's kind of he seems a little snarkier than he used to be. But without question, Patrick, I think, was another one who always had like the awesome catchphrases. I mean, Stuart Scott had catchphrases. Patrick also had some great catchphrases as well. My third pick, my third pick is probably somebody you probably forgot about. So this is going way back now. Not I ain't talking about the beginning of ESPN now. Now, stop being funny. I ain't that old. I mean, I'm that old, but I don't remember that. Okay, Craig Kilborn. So Craig Kilborn, I think, was one of the first guys to really bring that 
that kind of that humor and kind of those really silly type of responses to the clips, to the the highlights that he was narrating. Uh, yeah, Kilborn is that guy. And then he goes on to what? He hosts The Daily Show. Then he, I think, hosts The Late Late Show on CBS. I don't know what he's doing now, but I think he's 61 now. So I don't know what he's doing, but that guy, I love some Craig Kilborn. Uh, awesome guy. My fourth pick, I'm going to take Kenny Maine. So kind of taking from Craig Kilborn, I feel like Kenny Maine is kind of like the continuation of Craig Kilborn. I was going to call him a poor man's Craig Kilborn, but no, 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 no. Kenny Maine, I think, took the mantle of Craig Kilborn and kept it going. And he was kind of the guy. He was just super excitable at the Sports Center desk, had his little crazy, you know, explanation, uh, exclamations and stuff. So I'm going to take Kenny Maine. My fifth pick. So this is kind of a sentimental pick. I love him at the Sports Center desk. Uh, he's kind of like the venerable guy at the desk, um, fellow ODU grad Jay Harris. So shout out to Jay Harris. Um, if you hear this come to the show, I'd love to talk to you about um, you know being ODU monarchs and you know different stories that we had. You know probably possibly hanging out on Hampton Boulevard somewhere. But anyway, uh, I'll take Jay Harris. My honorable mention is another sentimental pick, and this is a guy who in his own right kind of i thought started like the new movement of the guys with the with the with the catchphrases and just the the, the not the attitude but kind of i hate using the term swag but that's probably the only appropriate term here my honorable mention pick Stan Verrett and a, another 757 guy cuz i remember listening to him on the radio back in the 757 then he then i look up one day and i go wait He's on ESPN. I was like, I remember listening to this guy on the radio. But super awesome guy. And I knew somebody who was really good friends with him. So I hear all these cool stories about him. But anyway, um, those are my picks. My Sports Center anchor draft. Um, tell me what you think. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, hit me up on Instagram. Who are your top five? Uh, give me your five. Give me five and honorable mention. Give me your four. I don't care. Top three. But give me who you would pick if you had a Sports Center anchor draft. Um, one last thing. This came up as I was eating lunch. I was, you know, scrolling Twitter, and I think this is. I think speaking of ESPN, it might be Sports Center. This is of their making. So supposedly, somewhere or sometime, they had a, a a bracket of greatest college players ever, and guess who won? So th- I think the title was college goat who who is the goat of college so let me see if i can find it but i think it was who was the college goat and guess who won i give you three guesses not to say not, I'm, I'm acting like you're sitting here in front of me like guess who won um let me see if i can find this here yes it's sports center so this is something from sports center yeah i think it was who tweeted this out nba memes tweeted this out uh, a while ago but anyway, the winner of the college basketball GOAT bracket is Michael Jordan. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's pump our brakes for a second. Don't get me wrong. I love Michael Jordan. But what you're saying to me is Michael Jordan is the greatest college player of all time when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is standing right there. Uh, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robertson. Look. This is why GOAT conversations need to end. They need to be outlawed. Y'all just be on that stuff, man. Again, to quote Stephen A. Smith, stay off the weed because y'all are tripping. Don't look. Don't get mad at me. Don't at me. I love Michael Jordan. Do not at me. But the greatest player to ever play college. Let's try this again. Let's just stop. Let's just stop the madness. Uh, Again, I think. We can all agree that he was one of the greatest players to play in college. But, yeah, there were guys who had way better college careers than Michael Jordan. And I think in college, most people define Jordan by that one moment as a freshman in the 82, in the 82 National Championship. That's it. I mean, he, I mean, he gave us great highlights. He did great things for North Carolina. I mean, but he played on a team with other guys who were – also Hall of Famers, but I mean, he played on a team with James Worthy, Sam Perkins, who probably is one of the most underrated players in Carolina history. I mean, come on, guys. Stop it. Stop the freaking madness. He is. 
I love Jordan, but he's not the college goat, guys. Get that through your heads. All right, that's it. So I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, thank you. Uh, I will possibly, possibly record again this week. If I don't, you got all the picks. You know what to do. But until I talk to you again, make sure you subscribe to the show, like the show, give him a five-star rating if you can, recommend the show to somebody, reblog the media, share the media. I thank you for those of you that do. And make sure that you follow me, Instagram, Twitter, it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Until I talk to you again, possibly next week, <laughs> this time hopefully, make sure that you, oh, no, it'll be next Tuesday. Darn. Yeah, I'm off next Monday, but no, next Tuesday. Definitely next Tuesday. I will talk to you next Tuesday. Until I talk to you again next Tuesday, make sure that you continue to protect yourself, mask up, stay healthy, and also remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.